Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and will increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action, episode 65. This is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. So, Action, you made it to the big event on Friday uh, a little bit late, but it was good to see you out there. Um, how was the rest of your Chicago adventure? Well, we had a great time. We did arrive a bit late to the event. That Chicago traffic is uh, not to be messed with, but mm-hmm. um, glad to make it out and party down with at Easy Bar for a little bit and then across the street in the old stomping grounds there in Wicker Park. A great time. That's right. And then uh, Saturday, went out to the suburbs and met up with quite a few college friends and did a little bar crawl as well and watched college hoops all night long and caught the end of that Duke-North Carolina game, which was quite thrilling. And then Mm -hmm. uh, on our way back to Detroit, we passed through a few casinos and celebrated my birthday a little bit, stopped at the Horseshoe for a few hours and watched plenty of basketball there. And then we uh, stopped at another casino in Michigan for dinner. On the way home so it was a good trip nice how was your weekend awesome. after the event well the event itself as you know was pretty successful we had like 42 people show up before you guys and then um yeah i was mostly hosting i think that the biggest hit was the, the m&m bingo we were kind of getting everybody mixing it up and mm-hmm. very fun and then when things kind of started winding down i got to have some fun and goof around you guys came and then we went to the unofficial after party at enjoy and that was really fun we were dancing up a storm I, you know you know i like to dance action get my groove on uh-huh. um had my friends show up and we had a hell of a time and then after you guys left i went across the street went to 3am bar till about three so i was a little banged up on saturday um to say the least i uh, didn't sleep that great uh did play some volleyball to sweat it out and caught up on my Oscar movies, uh, as I told you I would. Did see a bunch of them Saturday and into Sunday, and then ended up going to you know some mutual friends, Greg and MJ's on Sunday, watched the awards, and there was a big upset. You know, We didn't talk about the odds, but Parasite mm-hmm. came through. One of my movies that I really enjoyed and I reviewed on Wexpool.com. And, uh, you know, it obviously swept the big ones, director and best picture, and uh, so that was kind of exciting, but you know, it was overall wasn't after Friday. It was kind of <laughs> I put it all out there on Friday night. Let's put it that way, action. So um, uh-huh. nothing too exciting after that. After, I mean, volleyball takes a lot out of me. It was three hours, and I was a sweaty mess. Probably smelled like bourbon. Uh, and what can I tell you? Sorry, uh, Margate Park. But um, so we'll see. This weekend should be a little bit more laid back. Uh, we'll see. Uh, as as you know, Valentine's Day is not going to be big for me uh, in the single single set. But um, <laughs> oh, there's somebody out there for you. <laughs> oh yeah, there will be. Maybe after I'm supposed to have a date on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. That's from the events. That's awesome. But um, but yeah, I got to take it easy tonight, tomorrow, and uh, go from there. So overall, good times and good weekend. Kind of split on the bets. You know, I did get roped into that Duke bet, and they didn't cover, and then. You know, Illinois 
we could talk about in a minute, I guess. Um, but, you know, up and down on the bets, I guess. So we'll see how it goes. Well, hopefully we can turn it around this week as we really get into conference play. Here. That's right. Deep into conference play. Well, let's review the episode quickly. It's pretty simple. NCAA hoops. Uh, we'll go over last week's picks and then the action power ratings. Look at games of interest this week. And, and that's it. I mean, we're heavy college hoops now. Uh, maybe we'll mix in some things from here on out. Uh, we're trying to get you ready for your March Madness pools, but also to make some money, uh, which is really, this is the time of year, I mean, you know, transition already in NCAA hoops that this is when action picked Texas Tech. You know, this is when he put a future in, and uh, I did put in a future this week, action, I'll tell you in a minute. Ooh. But um, this is when this guy, you know, what was the future on Texas Tech when he did it? Was it 30, 40 to 1? I think it was 40 to 1, if I remember yeah. back Somewhere in that range, definitely 40 or 50 even. I mean, that's it's insane. So and that's when you can get these long shots. Not, I mean, because this year is wide open. I mean, nobody knows who's going to win. I mean, it's just there's a few really good teams, but there's no dominant team. And, you know, if you can find that Texas Tech and then find that way to hedge late, you know, that's the way to make some money like action last year. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. So well, let's go to last week's picks. Looks like we went four and six, you know, not so great. Um, Illinois kind of failed us twice in a way. Uh, they did mm-hmm. drop it to Maryland at home on Friday night. Maryland came in. They they are the, you know on top of the Big Ten for a reason. This team's really good. Uh, I didn't think that they had it in them to score that many points, but they won pretty easily, 75-66, even though they were you know, getting a point on the road. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a very good performance by Maryland on Friday night. I was able to catch bits and pieces of it throughout travels and um maryland really just kind of turned it on in the second half it was a late mid second half rally that really took control of the game and then they held on at the end through great free throw shooting and jalen smith has really been carrying this team the last couple of weeks yeah exactly the guy's playing great um another one that of course i screwed up in the uh (laughs) in the breakdown last week going over was at home against seton hall um, and they were actually more favored than two point or than one point that we show here that mm-hmm. they lost outright. Seton Hall played really well on the road at Villanova, winning 70 to 64. Um, you know, obviously Seton Hall did lose last night though uh, to Creighton, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's you know they they had a commanding lead after this one, a three game lead. You know, in the loss in the loss column in the Big East, they did drop one and came back to the pack a little, but they're still a two game lead in the Big East. You've been talking up Seton Hall for a long time, though. Yeah, I mean, this team is playing really great basketball, and even though they did drop that game last night against Creighton, I still think that they're the class of the Big East and certainly front runners to win the league and hopefully make a run in March. They've got the player, arguably the player of the year in the country, in Miles Powell. So a scorer mm-hmm. like that can carry any team, and they do play excellent defense. And they have another guy... Uh... Mama Schleswile, or whatever the hell his name is. Good that guy's supposed to be really good. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't ask me to spell it, action. Uh, but yeah, he's really good inside. So they have a nice blend on that team. And then you had Purdue. Uh, they kind of surprised us. They went in Indiana and destroyed the Hoosiers. The game wasn't even close, right? I mean, Indiana was laying a point at home. He thought Purdue was going to have a letdown. Maybe they found something. They scored some points, 74-62 final score. I don't know. This game wasn't really close, was it? Actually? No, this was 
by far and away the most surprising result of the entire weekend for me. You had Bob Knight return day and seemingly the whole state of Indiana knew that was happening. And sure. um, I, for one, thought that it would invigorate this basketball team and the crowd to a level that just couldn't be matched by Purdue. And on top of all that, Purdue has been really terrible on the road this season. And mm-hmm. they came out of the gates and just continued shooting like they had earlier in the week against Iowa. They ended up 47% uh, from the two points and uh, 50% from the three-point line, 8 of 16 on the game. And Indiana just could not match them anywhere on the floor. And Purdue won this one going away remarkably. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. The Big Ten is a little unpredictable these days. Um, then Purdue gets crushed at home. So mm-hmm. it's just, <laughs> you know, it's right now it's a little bit hard to figure it out uh, for me anyway. But I guess, you know, besides metrics, you just got to look at some trends and hopefully you're on the right side and maybe uh, do what you do, you know, do a little buyback in game or something to hedge it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the games we talked about last week, but it, it turned out to be a different number and, and I, I got fooled on it. Uh, Duke went to North Carolina, as we kind of referenced. It was an amazing game. I guess ESPN got what they wanted, and they wanted a great game between these two teams. And Duke was a 7 to 7.5 point favorite on the road. We had labeled the game as a 12-point game per Ken Palm. But, you know, North Carolina played great, and they really should have won the game, right? I mean, Duke kind of closed the game incredibly to just get it to overtime, and then even in overtime – it kind of took an amazing shot by, uh, you know, Trey Jones. What do they call him now? It's like, you know, he has a nickname. Whatever. I haven't heard it. <laughs> he has a nickname. I saw it. I just, I just read it. Jay Billis wrote it. It's like uh, <laughs> Trey, you know, Trey Big Shot or something like that because he hit the game winner. But Trey Perfect um, Brick Trey, on the front end. Of Trey, the <laughs> exactly. Um, so in the end, they win the game, but Heels covered it easily, uh, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of a surprise. Um so, yeah, it was uh, interesting. So it was a loss for me. I, I didn't end up getting – I should have done the 7.5, I guess, but I really thought it was going to be bet up a little bit and there would be a middling, you know, a middle opportunity having Duke. But, nope, that was an outright loss in my personal column there. Yeah, I mean, at one point in that game, I think North Carolina was like almost 80 or 90% going to win the game. And mm-hmm. uh, it turned on an instant there towards the end and – Probably a couple of questionable calls, it must be said, but um, just remarkable that Duke came back to win that game. I ended up jumping in a little bit of live money line with Duke and, got to mm-hmm. be honest, was fortunate even to win that one. So mm-hmm. uh, certainly a wild game and uh, a very tough loss for North Carolina. They came out and laid an egg then in their next game at Wake Forest, which was fairly predictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Ohio State at Wisconsin, you know, this was when we differed on, and and I was right this time. The Badgers are really good at home. What can you say? Ohio State, you know, didn't didn't come ready to play, I guess, on Sunday. Uh, Wisconsin won pretty easily, 70-57. to 57. You know, the Buckeyes do need to keep winning to get in the tournament. I mean, their early season records really bolstering them up, and their metrics were good. They won, you know, they went 4-1, and one, you know, or 4-0 oh before this game, I guess, but it's interesting how you go on the road and you you face kind of a middle of the pack Big Ten team in Wisconsin and just can't get it done. Yeah, um, I was watching most of this one at the Horseshoe on Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, it was really tough. Wesson got a second foul in the middle of the first half and 
that was pretty much all she wrote for the Buckeyes mm-hmm. as Wisconsin closed the half on a huge run and took a commanding mm-hmm. lead into the break. And um, in the second half, they really just couldn't claw themselves back into the game. Uh, very poor shooting performance, 31% from the three-point line, and Wisconsin really played well in that game and were deserved victors. Mm-hmm. One of the games you definitely hit on for, you know, double hit actually, uh, was Butler versus Marquette. Um, you like the under in this game, both the total for the game and then for the first half. And looks like you got a double dip here. It was under 142 and then under 66. Um, so, you know, 60 points in the first half looks like, and the final score was, what is that? 133. So yeah. they made it easily for both for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, I talked about it last week. The return of Aaron Thompson to the lineup has really bolstered this Butler defense, and Mm -hmm. um, they're really keeping their opponents down. And Marquette played some defense themselves. Um, Holding Butler Mm -hmm. to 57 points is definitely a strong performance and was ended up being a big win for the Golden Eagles. Yeah, I mean, Marquette almost beat uh, Nova last night. They're playing pretty good ball. The Big Mm -hmm. East is really good. I mean... I would argue at this point that they're probably second. I mean, I don't know if these teams will stack up against the other conferences when they play, you know, in the tournament. But when you look at top to bottom, the Big East and the Big Ten are definitely the most competitive conferences. It looks like the Big 12 this year isn't as good as it was last year. The ACC stinks. Mm -hmm. And then the SEC kind of has a good top-heavy group there's been some teams that have won some games, but there's a terrible glut of bad teams at the bottom of that conference. So in the Big East, I mean, I mean, uh, Nepal can't get a win. I mean, they're a decent team, um, but it's just one of those things. Any given day, and you know, Marquette's definitely going to be in the tournament. So will Butler. They'll both be teams that could be Sweet 16 teams if they play it right. Yeah, definitely. I uh, not so much sold on Marquette. It's hard to mm-hmm. win in March when you're so dominant to one player like they are with Marcus Howard. But uh, right. I do like this Butler team a lot for sure. Couple of losses here at the end. Uh, now this one is kind of interesting. Michigan State at Illinois. Now Sparty had dropped three in a row before this game. They really needed this game. So Sparty turned out to be a two-point favorite in this game. We listed it as a one-point dog. So I actually won this bet personally because I got the two points, and it was a kind of a hell of a game. Sparty was up by 20. Illinois roared back, took the lead, had the lead late in the game. Winston drives, tip dunk to go ahead, 70-69. And then our guy from Chicago, um, was it Awansu? Is that how Ayo, you say his Ayo, name? Ayo, Ayo mm-hmm. <laughs> There you go. You got that right. Um, he ends up not giving it up and kind of having a really weird, twisted leg situation. I'm not even sure if he's okay, and they lose by one. But, you know, so Illinois covers the number, the closing number, um, but Sparty does get the win in that one. Yeah, wild game. I actually went to bed at halftime because mm-hmm. Michigan State was up 37-20, to 20, and I thought that there was little chance Illinois would make a comeback. And sure enough, they did. It was really unfortunate mm-hmm. that they couldn't pull out the victory, though I would have like to see that for my Illinois futures ticket and otherwise. But I did read that IO's knee scan came back negative. So likely just okay. a sprain. I'm sure it'll hobble him for a game or maybe a touch more, but he should be okay in the end. Right. One of the games I was excited to watch and I ended up stupidly betting 
uh, was Rhode Island at Dayton. Um, not that I'm trying to fade Dayton, uh, but I haven't seen them before this game. And, and then because of this bet, I was like intently watching. And the the number ended up settling out about uh, Dayton by 11. So there was 11, mm-hmm. 11 point favorites at home. And so I got the 11 thinking, okay, that's a pretty good number. It's close to what we talked about. Dayton comes out to on, on a 17-0 run, start the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and really never look back. I mean, uh, I will say that Rhode Island's a pretty good ball club. They're, you know, they they fought hard. It was a very chippy game. There were seven technical fouls in the game. Uh, they didn't eject anybody. I was kind of surprised. There were several double technicals. Um, you know, one of the guys, the leading scorer, I think his name's is it Russell? For Rhode Island? Yeah. What is uh, Fats. Fats Russell. Fats Russell, right. It's uh-huh. Russell. He actually, I don't know if you watched this game action, but... He actually went to the deck and kind of guy jumped on top of him, got called for a foul. Then he got kind of hit his face on the floor. So he ended up splitting his eye above, you know, above his eye and left the game. And he left, he missed about 10 minutes. And that was kind of the critical stretch. They were down by about, they cut it to 10. He made two quick baskets to start the half. They cut it to 10. Then about three minutes in, they were down by 15. He gets just messed up on the floor, gone for 10 minutes, down there, down by 25. I mean, it was over. Um, they made some threes late. But in watching this Dayton team against a quality opponent, this team is really good. I mean, I'm not saying they're the best team I've seen because I haven't seen everybody in college basketball, but they kind of have everything you need. They've got the, you know, the OB Toppin guy is insane. And if you know, his brother plays for Rhode Island, his yeah. little brother. Yeah, fresh. So they were kind of facing off. But um, he had that amazing windmill dunk, and I think that was in the first half, um, where he just put it down and just windmill dunk on the break. And then he actually is an excellent passer, but they have great guard play. They have another big guy. When Obi goes out of the game, they got another guy who's 6'9", 6'10", who's athletic. So they're deep, and they pass the ball kind of, you know, a la the Warriors. This team is going to be a really tough out. Uh, so I would not be surprised this team's in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, their future is probably in that same range as some of the top teams, maybe about, you know, plus 1,600, plus 1,700. So definitely one that I'm looking at right now. I don't know about your thoughts. They definitely are capable of making a run, especially in a year like this one where there's no dominant teams. Um mm-hmm. Their outside shooting is good, and Obi Toppin is certainly probably one of the best players in the country. So, uh, And they have good guards. Jalen Crutcher is a very solid guard. I think he scored 21 points of his own the other night. So I definitely think they are going to be an intriguing team, although it's likely they'll end up with a two seed and uh, could have a tough draw there in the Midwest or East Regional. Right, exactly. Yeah, just I am showing with plus 1,600 on Online right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's just interesting. Um, the last game was West Virginia hosted Kansas. West Virginia, I think they ended up going off at a higher favorite than just one point in right. this one. And they look really good for about three quarters of this game. I didn't get to watch the game because it was on ESPN+. Plus. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, I don't subscribe to that action. Sorry, I don't know if you do. But um, So I was tracking the game on my phone, and they're up by, you know, eight or nine or something like that, seven and a half time, looking pretty good. I checked the final score. They lost by nine. Apparently, they, they got shut down at the end. Kansas just shut the door on them and 
finished the game on a 9-0 run to win the game, 58-49. So good for the Jayhawks. Yeah, it actually was an 18-3 run if you go oh. all the way back to the, the eight-minute mark. And uh, West Virginia just couldn't score at the end. That's mm -hmm. basically what this game came down to. They were in a completely dominating position. I was mm -hmm. watching and uh, was exacerbated to see this one go sideways. Huh. Hugs, that was back-to-back -back losses for them. They lost to Oklahoma somehow on Monday, and now they got to go to Baylor on Saturday. Uh, it's a game we'll talk about later. But, you know, this is a – at the top of this conference, there's some really good teams. And, um, you know, these obviously are two of them. But that's the thing that worries me a little bit about West Virginia looking forward because if they can't score – I mean, granted, Kansas is a very good basketball team. But if they can't score, especially in the half court – they're going to face teams that can defend. And, yeah. um, you know, that's an easy way to get out, especially if they face a team early, say, in the, you know, on like the Saturday or Sunday in the opening weekend and, and be knocked out for the Sweet 16. So something to look for. Yeah, I mean, their rebounding margin is out of this world, but oh, yeah. um, that's pretty much their offense. Just throw it up there and try to get offensive rebounds. And it mm -hmm. doesn't work against solid defensive teams like Kansas. I think these two teams were one and two in defensive efficiency. So an easy mm -hmm. under as well. Final score, 58-49, something to take note of. Oh, yeah. All right, well, let's go over the action power ratings this week. Let's see if there's been any movement. Uh, yeah, quite a bit of movement. Even though Duke finished off a 2-0 week, they um, mm -hmm. lost the metric game, apparently, yep. against North Carolina, and then another failed cover on Monday night at home against Florida State. So they've been right. overtaken by two teams here. Gonzaga mm -hmm. now up to a clear number one, and Kansas slides into the number two spot and the top of the leaderboard here, followed by Duke mm -hmm. and the aforementioned West Virginia at four. <laughs> And then you've got another Big 12 team in Baylor in the fifth spot. Right. You got San Diego State then, and then Dayton, if we discussed, those are two teams I really like. And mm -hmm. then that's my future. I already picked San Diego State plus 1,400 to win the title. Nice. I know it's not huge odds, but, I mean, that's a type of team that I can see doing it if they get the right draw. Um, yeah. A little surprising to see Michigan State up there still, but, you know, they're up there in Ken Palm too. I, it's just – this team is weird. I mean, they're metrically really good, but they're not winning a lot of games. They've got nine losses already this year. Yeah. Uh, then you got Louisville at nine and then Maryland. Yeah, I'm really down on Michigan State, too. And I do think that they're a little bit high here in the eight spot. And really, they just rely on that one player. And Cassius Winston, as good as he is, is probably not the caliber of player that can carry them deep into March. So I'm definitely way down on Michigan State. I've heard quite a few people talking about buying low on them here through this slide, but I'm staying away from any of their futures. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And then I, I mentioned Louisville. Um, what's interesting about Louisville, you know, they lost to Georgia tech last night. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just strange. I mean, the ACC stinks. I mean, I, I'm saying that out loud many, many times. I don't know. We, we talked about Louisville early in the year and I know that was your team uh, this year and I'm, I'm not against them. I think they're the best team in the ACC, but I got a question when the ACC teams make it to the big dance, will they be ready to ha to have the same level of competition that they did in past years? In past years, the ACC is a bloodbath. I mean, you got to mm -hmm. go on the road and make, you know, play really tough. Whereas, and that's one of the things you don't see in your metrics and, and even in Ken Palm that the big 10 teams have, they battle, you know, every night. 
So they're going to be ready. They're going to be tournament ready. Um, I'm not sure if these, you know, these guys like Louisville and Duke are going to be ready. I mean, Florida State's a really good team too, but outside of that, I don't like really any other teams in this conference. Virginia might sneak in, but that team can't score. Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on. Some of these ACC teams are going to come in a little bit unprepared for these real caliber NCAA tournament teams, and I, for one, will be looking to fade most of them in March. That's definite. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look like you have something going on here with, uh, saw something on FanDuel about Baylor. It's cool that you actually saw this, um, cause it's not often that you see that on bet online or something. Mm-hmm. So walk us through what you're seeing here. Yeah. As we're sitting in Indiana on Sunday, I popped open my accounts and was just kind of perusing through some of the props that FanDuel and DraftKings had to offer. And I came across odds to be named number one seeds. And initially, I was looking at Final Four odds and uh, trying to find, be a little bit creative on some of these teams where I may want to get something in rather than just a straight-up national championship bet. So I ended up locking in on Baylor at odds of minus 125 to receive a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and uh, ended up making that bet and it really came down to the schedule, the remaining schedule, took a quick look. And they do have several tough games remaining on their schedule, but they get mm-hmm. them all at home. You got West mm-hmm. Virginia coming up this weekend in Waco, and then next Saturday, the big one against Kansas, which also falls mm-hmm. in Waco. So I'm thinking that this schedule sets up nicely for them to maybe only pick up another loss or two max. And I think that mm-hmm. this team has pretty good chances of getting a number one seed. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's kind of like. You know, teams like I, I don't for some reason, you know, Lenardi and I don't know who he's looking at, maybe the net rankings or something. They don't respect Maryland. So Maryland's not getting a one seat unless mm-hmm. they just roll, run the table here, which is pretty unlikely anyway. So you're looking at teams like, you know, obviously the Zags are probably going to get a one seat. Um, can Duke and or Louisville really command a one seat? Probably not. No. Right. Right. So it's really going to be they could get two one seeds out of the Big 12. And then, you know, there's other teams that obviously, you know, San Diego State, I, do, I think believe they deserve to be a number one. Um, but I can't I mean, as much as I love Dayton, I don't know if they're going to get enough respect to get a number one seed. So even with a, a loss or two, unless they like made an, an early loss in the Big 12 tournament, I agree with you 100 percent. So this is. That's definitely a good value at only like, you know, minus 125. That's a good deal. Nice work. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, let's talk about this week and nice transition action. Um, let's talk about Baylor some more. I mean, West Virginia is going to Baylor. It's one of these games that I've highlighted already. Um, originally, when I saw this on the schedule, I was all about West Virginia, just like I was when they played Kansas. But... I can't do it right now. They've hit a little bit of a skid. Their offense seems to be sputtering. I'm not sure if there's a reason for that. I'm looking forward to watching the game to kind of see both these teams, you know, late midseason form. Uh, you're showing Baylor as a six-point favorite at home, the total being 128, and I would be on Baylor in this case. Yeah, I definitely think that you're going to be back in a covering machine. <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. Baylor now has won, what is it, like 15 games in a row? as well so they're certainly on a a good streak here but if i was looking to the side i would probably lean to west virginia at those numbers to Mm -hmm. be honest you're looking at a game that has a super low total 
and uh, got to be a big time bounce back for West Virginia. Certainly, they need this one like blood after dropping the game at home against Kansas. They so, do. But uh, I, I personally am looking more towards the total in this one. You're looking at two teams that play extremely efficient defense, now ranked second and fourth in defensive efficiency. And I have a, a good feeling that this one's going to be a low-scoring game, and I'm looking to play it under both the full game, uh, projecting 128, and then also we'll look to hit it in the first half under 60 points. Okay. Well, you're you're talking me into something. I think I might be doing some totals here. Uh, yeah. Try to win back some money here. But, uh, no, I agree. I mean, it's going to be – Total rock fight here. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I just, you know, I, I like these type of matchups, especially late in the year. Uh, they're definitely something that you're going to – it's a preview to both their conference tournament and then a lot of times these teams are the teams that face off again in the in the NCAA tournament, right, you know, because yeah. they're really good teams. So it's just kind of getting a preview of what you might see in, you know, five or six weeks. Um, the next game you like uh, is Purdue at Ohio State. You're always on Purdue and Ohio State some kind of way, aren't you? <laughs> um, so what's, uh, is this the classic Saturday early Big Ten spot? Ah, one would think, Wags. <laughs> but I've actually been looking at this Ohio State team and Purdue for uh, going over the total lately. Mm, Ken Palm has right. this one projected at 128 points. And I mentioned earlier that this Purdue team has been hot lately shooting the mm-hmm. basketball. And looking back at their numbers, they've actually gone over the total in the last six out of seven games. Mm, um, there we go. That's a trend. Going way over in the Iowa game, obviously. And then the same this week with the Penn State contest where they put up 76 points in a loss. And I think that you are getting something here with this Purdue team who's coming on and the odds makers haven't really adjusted quite yet. They're now up to mm. 111 points per 100 possessions, which is good for 35th in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency. And mm-hmm. on the other side, Ohio State has been scoring the ball lately as well. They've gone over in their last two games, and I think that this one is going to be uh, a little bit of a short number. So I'm going to play this one over. Okay, interesting. So you, you believe even because, well, I guess it's the shooting, right? I mean, Purdue's a really good defensive team, you know, mm-hmm. top 12, and Ohio State, too, top 20. But so what's the the latest secret? Who's the guy filling it up? I mean, they weren't doing this early in the season. Is, does somebody come back from injury, or what's the story with the three-point proficiency? Um, Sasha Stefanovic has picked it up a little bit lately, and uh, also the freshman Thompson has been scoring mm-hmm. the ball at well, and uh, – the other guard, Aaron Wheeler, has been knocking down some shots lately. So I, gotcha. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it. The pace hasn't really changed too much. They're 340th in pace still. But, I mean, you look mm-hmm. at these totals. They're putting up 70, 63, 61, yeah. 104, 74, 76. So mm-hmm. those are all recipes for going over 128, that's for sure. They're definitely conjuring their inner Carson Edwards or something. Mm-hmm. Um I do could fill it up, but um, okay, let's well, good take. It's a contrary take to the action usually, I know. right? Um, well, here's one I'm really excited about, and it's right here in Chicago. And originally, when I was looking at this, you know, I have a, a kind of a friendly wager with our friend Christina Ridgeway, who was also at the event on Friday. Thank you, Christina. Um, you and I, the Northern Iowa, is going to Loyola and playing the Ramblers right here at the Gentile Center. And I have kind of a friendly wager that Loyola is not going to make the tournament and DePaul will. 
It's not looking too good for DePaul. No. Um, but UNI is really good in this conference. I mean, they're, I don't know, whatever, 22 and 3 on the season. And Loyola's, you know, they're a second. You know, they're, they're not exactly right there. But, you know, Sister Jean's going to be in the house. And you know what that happened? What that means when the Ramblers have got Sister Jean in the sidelines, it's just different. Uh, so I'm looking to, yeah, take those points and maybe even look at a money line situation. I do think the Ramblers are going to come to play. Genteel Center is going to be rocking. I know the game's sold out, I understand, as Ridgeway couldn't get a ticket. And uh, so, yeah, it should be exciting on ESPN, too, as uh, Northern Iowa takes on Loyola. Yeah, uh, interesting pick here. Definitely off the grid. I must say that I haven't watched too much of the conference this season. Was it uh, Mm -hmm. Missouri Missouri Valley? Valley. Thank you. And uh, I know that Northern Iowa has been blitzing opponents, though, um, Mm -hmm. covering machine, too. They're 16-6 and against the spread this year. But um, coming into the Loyola gym is a whole other animal, especially the way they've been playing the last couple of years. And I do think that you might be onto something here. Definitely a tough road spot for Northern Iowa. It looks like they yeah. did win in Northern Iowa earlier this season only by a mere five points. So perhaps this is a game that it should be rather close as well. Yeah, and that was an overtime win. They did win the game, um, but they, you know, it took them overtime, and it was a kind of a lower-scoring game. Northern Iowa, if you look at your Ken Palm, is you know they're 14th in efficiency. They're really good. They're actually in the top 40 in Ken Palm now. They're 36th when I pulled the number earlier this week. So they're a hell of a basketball team, and probably should be the tournament representative for uh, the Missouri Valley. So <laughs> I'm just kind of looking at the last stand for for the Ramblers and see if they can make it in and. See what happens, but um, be exciting to be at that game for sure. Are you going? No, no, oh, okay. I can't. Oh. Well, unless unless I get a hookup or something, but uh, maybe I'll try to talk my way in. But no, I mean, just I'll watch the game on TV yeah. here at home. So. Right on. Yeah. Uh, Auburn is going to Missouri. It looks like, and Auburn, who they should be called the you know the cardiac cardiac Tigers here, always winning in close fashion. As they we didn't even mention that LSU game. They we're down big in that one and one in overtime at the buzzer. Um, but you see them, they're laying four and a half points at Missouri, total being 137. Looks like you like Missouri in this spot. I do, yeah. This is a spot that I've been circling for the better part of a week now. And mm. again, Auburn came out last time and went in a, to another overtime game. They've now played an overtime or double overtime in four out of the last five games, and they've won mm. every single one of them. So yeah, I think that uh, the luck is going to run out for Auburn in this one. And I got to be honest, I'm looking at the metrics and there isn't really anything that jumps off the page here that tells me that Missouri is the better team or they're capable of winning this game. But if you're giving them points at home, I think that it's a good spot play this weekend to play on Missouri. Gotcha. Yeah. Auburn loves that overtime. I, I, apparently they just like the extra time. I'm not sure what's up with that, but you know, it's an interesting team that they have there. They lost a lot of guards, but, you know, this McCormick kid can play, and he, he really lit it up in overtime against LSU. But it, to your point, I mean, if they're laying that many points, I mean, all these overtime games, even though they've won, they've been within, within that number. You know, yeah. it's not like they're blowing them out in overtime either. So good spot, nice identification. You, I can't believe you're going to pick this. So my Aztecs, <laughs> my Aztecs now, they're mine. Uh, they're going to Boise State, you know, in the Mountain West. 
And Boise is actually a pretty good ball club. Uh, the total is 138. You're seeing that they would be laying seven and a half on the road. Mm-hmm. You're going to go with the, the Broncos in this one, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, it must be said that anyone who has been fading San Diego State this year has been burning money because <laughs> yes. they are a covering juggernaut, 16 and 8 against the spread. But, but, hear me out. When you look on the mm-hmm. other side, Boise State, not too shabby either. They're 16-9 and nine against the number this season and a very solid 10-2 and two at home legs. So, yeah, sure. Um, and if you High look, altitude, right? If you, that's right, yeah. I mean, uh, this game being in Boise has certainly been a house of horrors for San Diego. They've uh, San Diego State, that is. They've lost three straight here in Boise. And um, now if you're giving me that big of a number – with the home Broncos, I'm going to scoop them up and hope that they keep this game close. I'm not mm. so sold that this number will come out this high. This is Ken Palm's projection. But sure. um, either way, I'm going to be looking to take points with Boise this Sunday. Okay. I mean, it's not inevitable that they'll lose. I mean, it's definitely possible. And, you know, Utah State, for some reason, cannot match up with that team. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Boise can. Um you know, San Diego State has great guards, and they have really good defense. So we'll see. I'd I prefer for them to lose, you know, for my future ticket, like have them lose now. <laughs> right? yeah. I don't want to be one of those 30-in-one teams that loses in the, you know, the lead eight or something. I'd rather have them kind of get that monkey off their back now, and then they can just focus on actually just playing basketball. Um, sometimes I just think that happens with teams. You know, think about Wichita State years ago. When they, you know, they were undefeated going in, and obviously got beat by Kentucky in a great game. But yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, I don't, I'm not making any money on them being undefeated, you know. Um, so, but um, no, it'll be an interesting take. I mean, certainly, I hope, you know, the Colorado State Rams would beat them at, at you know, in Moby, but they lost this week to Utah State. But uh, um, yeah, it's an interesting conference. Boise is actually a decent team, and there's a, you know, I'm hoping there's another team that makes it in, not just. Uh, not just the Aztecs, but we'll see. Yeah, at this point, certainly has to be looking like a one-bid league. I'm not sure that mm-hmm. any of these other teams have a chance to make it in. That's right. So would you rather see them lose and end up on the two-line, um, either out west or get shipped off to the east, rather than run the table and get a number one seed? No, I mean, I want them to have a number one, no okay. question. But I think they may be able to get a number one. I mean, maybe I guess they lose to Boise. Maybe they fall off that line, but... We'll see who's going to beat them, like Duke or Louisville. I mean, it's just, you know, I think they could still lose a game, to be honest with you, and still be a one seed. Maybe they lose it to Dayton. Um, I don't want them to be the two seed in the West. I don't want them to play, you know, Zags. I mean, that's just a punishment. So they'd be better off being a one seed somewhere else and, you know, having to play, a, you know, one of those teams we talked about, like a Duke or a Florida State or something as their two. Um, but we'll see how it all shakes out. I'm just saying just kind of from a psychological perspective, it's better to lose early than late. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously you don't want to lose late at all, but I mean, in terms of a betting thing. But yeah, I mean, these these teams, it's very hard to go undefeated. I don't know. When's the last time a team went undefeated in college basketball? 19, Has it ever happened? I mean, 1976, <laughs> Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got that on the tip of your tongue. This guy's ready. But, you know, to my point, it's nearly impossible. So it's just... Just get it over with. Uh, maybe it'll be on Saturday for you. That'd be great. So, um, well, the last game that that we have highlighted so far, uh, maybe you got another one, but um, we've got Illinois at Penn State. Penn State, you were showing as a six-point 
uh, favorite at home on Tuesday. Now, the Nittany Lions are getting a lot of buzz. Uh, yeah. This team's really good. Uh, I haven't, again, haven't watched them a lot, every, everybody, but I'm trying to get you to watch them now so you can make a decision. But this team not only is good at home, which they're incredible at home, but this team is, you know, they're getting to the top of you know, the Big Ten, and they're just on a, a tear. What are they won now? Is that eight straight games? Yeah. Yeah, eight, eight straight games. So this team is playing incredible basketball. They have good senior leadership, and sometimes they just don't – sorry, America, they don't give a fuck. I mean, they're going to come out and just blow you out. I mean, and I've seen it a couple of times, and I'm not saying that they can do that to get Illinois per se, but – it's one of those things that Illinois has been good, but they've kind of been wavering a little bit, especially on the road. Uh, obviously, you've got the injury now. So I definitely like the favorite in this one. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would probably lean to Penn State here, too. I've been fading them in the last couple of games and was lucky to get a push on Saturday with Minnesota plus the six. But um, their shooting has been impressive to me. I think it's been steadily rising now up to 33% from the three-point line and on was that Wednesday night? They just blitzed Purdue from the three-point line. It was unreal how mm-hmm. hot they were from three. You've got Miles Dredd and Seth Lundy hit six of nine from the three-point line, and the Indiana transfer Curtis Jones can stroke it as well. So, and then they've got a big guy inside, Mike Watkins, who anchors the center. Mm-hmm. And you can't leave out Lamar Stevens, who's been an absolute superstar. So, Penn State is certainly a dark horse to make to the Sweet 16 and beyond. And I do think that mm-hmm. they're going to be too much for Illinois on Tuesday. Right. It looks like they've won seven straight, but they are playing Northwestern on Saturday. So I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> I already chalked it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Penn State is one of those teams. Like, I, I, We'll talk about this later when we get closer to the, the tournament. But I really believe there's going to be one team from the Big Ten that's going to make a deep run that you may not suspect. And granted, uh-huh. Penn State now has a higher profile than they have in years past, but it's not a team that the average, you know, Joe who puts in a bracket is going to think that they're going to do it. And, and you just look at their metrics, you look at what they've done. They're playing in this tough conference every night. They've got senior leadership. This is the profile of, of a team that can go deep. And unlike a Michigan state who we know has talent, but like you said, if they wall off Cassius Winston, this team can't score. I don't know what the deal is with that team. And then, you know, obviously, I don't know if I trust Maryland. You know, I think Maryland's another one of those teams that could be that team. But I don't know about Maryland, man. Sometimes they can't score either. So it's just, it's interesting. Penn State has guys that can score. And so I'm really kind of falling for them a little bit. I haven't hit their future line. This is what I should do because this is a what action would do. What would action do? <laughs> He'd buy a future on Penn State because they're like a team that nobody thinks they can win it. But you could hedge them later. Exactly. So I'm talking myself into it, action. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, there's teams like that I'm looking at right now. What is the price on Penn State? Do you have that handy? Let me see. I just dropped it. Sorry, buddy. Penn State. They're plus 3,300. That's okay. what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, 33 to 1. So, I mean, they're right there with, like, the Florida States and West, well, West Virginia is 25 to 1. Your Texas Tech is there and, and Villanova. Um, I mean, Florida State's a quality team, and they're in that same vein. I think they're definitely a team that – People are sleeping on. I don't know why, because they're really good. Um, but it's just name recognition, right? I mean, Duke is still way up there at plus 800. Um, obviously, Louisville's up there plus 900. You know, Kansas and Gonzaga are at the top. 
but um, I don't know. I'm just looking at a couple future spots just because I, I like what you did last year, and it, obviously you got to pick appropriately, but this is the time to do it. Not unlike what we did with the, the Chiefs in football, right? Yeah, and you know, depending on how the bracket shakes out, if you have enough futures tickets in your pocket and they end up in different regions, you could get extremely lucky and have all three or four of your tickets make it to the Sweet 16 or beyond. And then you really open up some possibilities. Um, going back to the Penn State conversation, I do think this team is tough and certainly probably the way they're trending going to be in line for a top 16 seed, um, four or higher, that is. But um, mm-hmm. the thing, the drawback I see with them is just coaching. I've been watching a lot of Big Ten basketball over the years, as I know you have, and I've seen Pat Chambers blow many a game in the last couple of minutes. So that's the only thing that would scare me with a ticket on Penn state. I gotcha. So it's more of a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> more, more of a coaching issue. Huh? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. Well, there any other spots, thoughts about this week's action or this is, this covers it. Not that I have in my mind. I didn't really get a chance to get into next week's schedule at all. I was kind of focused on Saturday, mm-hmm. but, um, I haven't had too much luck with those weak look-aheads personally as of yet, so I kind of figured I would stick to the near term. I gotcha. Well, I will tell you a a little preview of not this week, but next week's game is the Zags are going to BYU. That's going to be on my list next week, so we'll we'll take a look at that one next week. Okay. Uh, That's a big game in the West Coast Conference. If anybody's going to beat Gonzaga, it's going to be BYU at BYU, Um, but... Yeah, there's always good matchups coming up, so it's just it's exciting. We didn't touch anything on the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, sorry, America. Sorry, Melissa, specifically. Um, you know, honestly, I haven't watched a lot of this stuff, but Chicago is the epicenter of NBA nation and also hip-hop nation here. So it's pretty awesome this weekend. Too bad it's like zero degrees outside. Uh, hopefully it'll get warmer. <laughs> there's not going to be too many women outside in this weather, huh, Lex? I don't think so. I don't think so. But they'll be in the clubs. They'll That's be in the right. clubs, buddy. So I just got to find the clubs. No, I mean, uh, I don't think I have the, the threads to impress in this group. But, um, but I, you know, I never know. If tomorrow somebody says, hey, meet me here and some crazy party, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll be there. Yeah. I'll answer the call. There you go. Well, um, yeah, we didn't have anything extra this week. But looking ahead, I know we're planning to record a day early on Wednesday night next week. And mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. dabbling in a little bit of golf here and there, some matchups and mm. looking at top fives and top tens week in and week out. And we haven't spoken about it just because of the schedule, but looking forward to potentially drop some nuggets next week for the tournament I know is in Mexico. What are your thoughts on that? Wes? That's awesome. I mean, you know, I don't look at golf until the majors, but I do know that this is the time to get value because there's less people interested in the, in the sport and mm-hmm. there's a little bit more variability. There's, you know, guys who are playing themselves into shape, you know, the guys who aren't the big names or maybe winning some tournaments and nobody knows about it. So there's more value. So I've heard at least on Visa and other places, this is the time to look at golf for sure. So I'm not against it. action. Nice work. Okay. All right. Well, pencil it in. Excellent. Um, and at some point we've, Talked to him in the past. Hopefully we'll get him on. I want to overpromise again, but we got our buddy Cola, who's you know a wizard. He's done a lot of different work in the past, and he's been on our show a couple times. So hopefully we get him on before the tournament, get his thoughts on you know you know NCAA basketball, hopefully, and 
in other endeavors. So uh, he's been an, a welcome addition on the program. Yeah, the uh, last-minute contract talks fell through, but I'm hopeful <laughs> that we can strike a deal before the season's over. Excellent, excellent. So tell him we can offer him the uh, the circa million hat. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So excellent. All right. All right. Well, that wraps up episode sixty-five of the Side Action Podcast. Follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at thirty-one s Roberts. All right, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day and enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, it's warmer than Chicago. Peace out. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.